Hey there, I'm Niella Graham. I'm Russia Bowles. And this is the Can I Be Honest podcast, the podcast where we take our real life conversations online and serve nothing but honesty. So we are now at our 10th episode of the Can I Be Honest podcast. Um, crazy that we got here and because it's our 10th, but I feel like this is more of a coincidence. I don't think we like planned for this to be the 10th episode. Very true. Um, but I think it's a good episode to do for the 10th one. Um, we are going to be talking about, I feel like this is the most serious topic we've probably talked about on this podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. second to the Being Black in America episode. But um, yeah. we are talking about religion today. And before you pause and you're like, nope, not listening to this. Don't want to know where this ends up. Hold on. Because this is a converse, the conversation that we're about to have. Russia and I have had multiple times. And we've had it with other people of other religions and faiths. Um, yeah. One that we think our generation should be having more often. Um, yeah. Because, if anything, we learn from each other when we have these conversations. Um, and I feel like I learn a lot from Russia, and Russia learns a lot from me. Mm-hmm. So, what we're essentially going to be discussing today is the differences in our beliefs. Yeah. So, Russia identifies as a non denominational Christian. Yep. And I am an atheist. So those are kind of, not kind of, they're very different sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're really just going to be having an open conversation about our belief systems, why we have these belief systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have questions that we're kind of going to ask each other and then general questions that we're just going to kind of pose and have a conversation about. Now, disclaimer, this episode is about understanding each other's beliefs we're not belittling each other we're not calling each other out we're having Mm -hmm. an open honest conversation about religion um Mm -hmm. we are not demeaning anyone's religious beliefs um if we do it is purely accidental though i don't think that's even going to happen because like Mm -hmm. i said we've had this conversation many times and we've never said anything um that belittles or makes fun of or is critical, overly critical and aggressive towards another religious belief. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put that out there. I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. I mean, maybe it will be uncomfortable. Religion, I feel like, is, like I said, not something we talk about. And it's kind of, I think, off limits a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But we're young people. We should be having these conversations. So. Yeah. Russia, I open the floor up to you. Okay, so I guess I'll start off with when I chose or decided to be a Christian. So I always grew up knowing God in a sense. Like my mom, can I say she grew up in a religious household? Yeah, she grew up in a religious household. So that sort of translated over to me. And my mom has gone through so many things in her life where like she's very, very confident in her faith and like, knowing that God is there for her and like she's told me stories and just like I through her I feel like my confidence and my faith has built and also things that I've gone through as well so 
I feel like I've always been a Christian. I grew up going to church. And then at one point in my childhood, I had stopped being that. I feel like a lot of people can sort of agree with this, that some churches can be very judgy and people can be hypocritical in a sense that people will judge you at some churches, not all. People will judge you if you decide not to go one week, but then you come another, but then they act like they're quote unquote perfect Christians. But then when you see them outside of the church, they're doing crazy things that, oh, you're judging other people about how Christian they are based on how many times they go to church, but you're doing crazy things when you leave that aren't necessarily ideals or can be quote unquote sinful behavior. So I think like my mom and I stopped going because, well, I didn't even realize this at the time, but it was sort of just like, it was too much judgment, too much like people, they say one thing and they do another. And it's like, you shouldn't be judging people if you do even worse things than them. But yeah, I've always been a Christian. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, so on the flip side of that, so I, I was not raised religious mm-hmm. at all. Um, my mom, it was raised a Protestant, and my dad was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's complicated. Um, but, and then I guess I don't. Here's the thing that I feel like my parents just kind of decided maybe accidentally not to raise me religiously. I feel like it's like the simplest way to put it. Um, I did sing in a church choir when I was in the fourth grade. That is Um, so cute. (laughs) Yeah, and actually funny story. Um, So fourth grade Niella was overly ambitious. Um, Still wish I had some of that ambition. Um, And we were like in the meeting for like church choir or something and um a guy one of the um choir leaders was like oh does anyone want to volunteer to like do this thing and I raised my hand not knowing what it was later come to find out I had to get up in in front of the entire church on Sunday and read um a passage from the bible and I had to rehearse it several times. And then I got up and did it and didn't say what section I was reading from. I just like, because I was so nervous, just spit it out and then just ran back to my seat. So, yeah. So I wasn't raised religiously. Um, didn't go to church except that one time. Um, and I feel like when I reached my teens, I started to feel like, Mm, I don't know if I necessarily want to be religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to gain what I feel like is best described as maybe a pessimistic view towards organized religion. And here's mm-hmm. the thing, towards the religion, not towards the individuals who practice it. I have no mm. negative feelings towards anyone who has a belief system because essentially I have a belief system. Um, mm. I'm not here to knock anyone's belief system, but I just felt like I had issues with the religions in general. Um, not all, but some. 
Um, and it, I guess I just kind of, at first I was like, okay, maybe I'm agnostic, which agnostic and atheist, there are differences in the definition. Agnostic is somebody who doesn't know if mm-hmm. there is a God. Mm-hmm. An atheist is like, there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I transitioned from being an agnostic to being an atheist because I just like, from being really, really honest, I feel like there are a lot of bad things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, this pandemic that we're in, um, violence, war, greed, all these things. And I just like, I have a hard time understanding if there is a higher power and if there is a God, then why are there all of these things and how can you justify that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and also I feel like I don't also, and we're gonna get to this, um, but the way that certain religions treat individuals based on sexuality, race, whatever it is, is also doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in particular, it's the treatment of the LGBT community um, mm-hmm. by mainly Christian, um, by Christianity and then like obviously different like sects of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just like, I feel that makes me uncomfortable and I, mm-hmm. that in that sense, that is why I'm an atheist. I just feel like, why can't we just accept everyone? Why does there have to be these belief systems that people follow that then tell them, oh, you shouldn't treat, you should treat this person a different way because of who they love and the way they yeah. were born. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we, particularly in this country, and if you can't admit this, then I don't know what's up, but the way we treat other religions and vilify them, and it's particularly non-Christians, is really unsettling as well. Just because someone follows a certain religion, you automatically think that they're a terrorist, or you think that their their one goal is to like, you know, kill you. I just like I I feel like. I've, in my personal opinion, I feel like religion is at the root of all e- a, a lot of evil. Um, and I know that sounds really bad, but that is kind of my view. So. Okay. Um, should we talk about why we decided, well, you kind of talked about why you decided to pick your label. Yeah, I guess I kind of went into that already. I jumped the gun, sorry. <laughs> No, that's okay. Um, So I guess I'll talk about like why I decided to pick the label as Christian instead of just telling people that I believe in God. Um, Also talk about, because we were having this conversation yesterday and I asked you, how do you identify? And you said non-denominational. Oh, yes. So I'll specify that and clarify it because I feel like a a lot of people don't understand what that means. So in the Christianity faith, there are different denominations. So there's people that are Protestant, Baptist, Roman Catholic, things like that. That's all under the umbrella of Christianity. Those are also considered denominations. Someone that's non-denominational, they just don't. So pretty much in the different denominations, they have like different leaders. So like some will have a priest, some will have a reverend, some will have a preacher. They have different 
I guess like you can call it a quote unquote hierarchy in the church of like the different levels of people you can be. So I know in Baptist churches, they have deacons. They don't have deacons in all other churches. So it's just the way that they conduct their services, the leadership in the church. Some denominations follow certain things more to a T, quote unquote, while others don't. Why I consider myself non-denominational is because I grew up going to a Baptist church, but I wouldn't consider myself Baptist because I didn't go there for a long period of time. I also just feel more comfortable saying that I'm non-denominational because I just believe that I just believe in God. Like, I don't feel like I need to follow a specific denomination and like what they believe the practices that they have, because I just believe that God is real. And that's kind of just how I go about my life. I also don't actively go to church all the time. So I also don't feel like I need to associate myself with a specific denomination. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, just from like an outsider's perspective too, I feel like when you get into the denominations, that's when you get into like very specific kind of like doctrine in a sense and not kind of this just overarching, okay, I believe in this, this is what guides me. Yeah. So, okay, interesting. Okay, so my first question to you is God is real. Why do bad things happen to good people? essentially what I was getting at earlier with my pessimistic view of, you know, there are bad things in this world and how can, you know, cause mm-hmm. like I've seen people be like, I put my, I put my trust in God that things are going to turn out good, mm-hmm. but then why do bad things happen? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I get this question a lot, especially when I talk about religion and I feel like Niela is like one of the only people, I just want to point this out, that is, that I know personally, that isn't like judgmental about religion. And like, they're really, she's really willing to learn and listen. And I just want to point that out there. I also just want to put it out there that I'm like now thinking back about the whole spiel I just said, and I feel like it sounds really, really bad. But I also do just want to clarify that I am very open-minded to learning about people's perspectives yeah um that yes i have this view but i'm also open to hearing other people's view it's not just like oh no no no, no. like i believe what i believe. like no i want to know what the answer to this question is so yeah i'm putting that out there please please don't come for me <laughs> okay so how i want to answer this is that i'm gonna say i don't 100 percent know i don't know And that's really, that's the reality of the question. I really don't know why certain things happen to certain people, why bad things happen to good people. My mom and I have this conversation a lot also because I know a quote that a lot of people like stand by in their whole life. And I stood by this for a while, but I guess more recently I've kind of like wavered at it is that everything happens for a reason. And I feel like a lot of people say like everything happens for a reason, like don't dwell on things, blah, blah, blah. And while I love that quote, and I think that that quote should be used in a lot of parts of people's lives, I do not feel like that is a quote that you should live your entire life by. Because people go through some really shitty things in their life, traumatic things, horrible experiences. And I feel like you should not have to always justify 
why you went through something. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, if something traumatic happens to you, I don't want to give examples because I don't even like thinking about trauma, but if you, if you go through something traumatic, maybe in your childhood, whatever it is, and then you're living by this, everything happens for a reason. Okay, yes, maybe in certain parts of your life, everything happens for a reason, but I feel like there are going to be things in your life that you go through that you just won't understand. You won't know why you had to go through that. You won't understand. And I think that some things have lessons behind it. Some things maybe you had to go through because maybe later on in life, you're going to be like a speaker on this specific topic or whatever it is. But I don't think that people need to take the whole quote of everything happens for a reason and justify it in every single thing that they go through in their life. Because some things you just don't know why they happen to you or you have to experience that. Um, but yeah, just to answer the question overall, I don't know why bad things happen to people or happen to good people or just people in general. I don't know. I have pondered with this question so many times. It aggravates me a lot of the times because I'm just like, why did, why do some of these things have to happen to people? Like why do people have to experience these things? I don't know, but I pray all the time that bad things don't happen to people. And I pray for my friends, people that don't believe in prayer. They're going to be like, what is that going to do for you? But look, I, I pray for my friends all the time. So I don't know. You pray for your friends that don't believe in God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I pray for all my friends. Okay, that was Most that was my, my selfish way of asking if you've ever prayed for me. Oh my god, I have prayed for you. <laughs> like I, I that means swear a lot. And see, as someone who who doesn't do that, it still means a lot because I know that yeah. that's part of your life, and that's a big thing for certain people. Whether it's you do it, whether it's just during the day or you do it at night, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, I I take comfort in that. Yeah. Um, and you, like going back to the, you know, I like going back to things we've heard people say. That everything happens for a reason. I go back and forth on that too. Yeah. Because part of me is like, okay, that can be true for certain things in your life. And I feel like that's yeah. been true for certain things in my life. Mm-hmm. But other things, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Exactly. Um, like you can't, I'm sorry. Maybe you can see it this way, but the pandemic, I don't think is one of those, everything happens for a reason. Unless this is just like, really trying to show us that we need to be nicer to each other or like I don't know yeah. what the what the lesson in that would be and like why yeah. it needs to happen I feel like for certain things it that makes sense and others it doesn't um I've mm-hmm. also heard people say you know God has a plan for everyone okay but some some those plans aren't necessarily great and if that person's been good and they're not quote-unquote like a sinner Mm-hmm. then like that's another like I think okay because that line I wholeheartedly believe but I'm only gonna say for one reason okay. I believe that quote that you said that God has a plan for everyone because look whether people believe it or not like you don't know everything about someone you don't know how their life is you don't know their day-to-day task you don't know what they do you don't know everyone they interact with and i feel like sometimes people are 
in situations, not all the time, but sometimes people are in situations because of the things that they have done and they put themselves there. They may not see it, but I think that, for example, and I'm not gonna say this for every person that is homeless, no. Some people really got booted out and they had nowhere to go. But there are some homeless people who we know, we see it in New York City all the time. They're drug addicts, they do this, they do that. And it's like, maybe God had a plan for their life, but because they decided to do other things, their life went in an opposite direction. I feel like you, everyone has, not everyone, but I feel like people have the potential to make something out of their life. Make something. They don't have to be a billionaire, but they can make something out of their life. Whether they're doing a job that they enjoy or they're trying to make ends meet, but maybe they pick up a hobby. Like I feel like everyone has the potential to do something in life. And sometimes people try to blame like, oh, but like, what was the plan that you had for me, but don't reflect on themselves. So I feel like this also has to do with like self-reflection and like, are you putting in the necessary steps in your life to make sure that you get where you want to be? It is so funny that you just said this because this just reminded me of a story that I was told. Mm-hmm. Not saying names, and I don't think this is ever going to get back to this person. But yeah, whatever. I was told that an aunt of mine told my cousin, yeah, that he didn't need to study for his test because God had it covered. Okay, I want to point this out because my mom and I talk about this all the time. I think that people think that God is the savior of everything. You don't have to study. You don't have to put in the work. You don't have to do this. No matter what you do in life, you have to put in the work to get it. I know for me, when I was in school, even in college, if I knew like, oh my God, this is an important exam where this is something important. I prayed before my exam. I was like, God, please help me with this. (laughs) Make sure I remember everything, blah, blah, blah. But you cannot expect to do well on something or to achieve something if you're not putting in the work. God is not handing out free golden tickets now. That's not how it works. (laughs) You got to put in the work. And I think that, yes, you can pray and ask for things like, can you bless me in this part of my life? Or can you do this or that? But if you're not putting in the work, how do you expect something to come for free? Right. And I think that that the exam situation is a perfect example. Like, you're not going to just, oh, I have this test. All right, I have it in two weeks. I'm going to show up to the test. I'm going to pray before the test, and then I'm going to get 100. It's not going to happen, <laughs> you know? It's just like... No, I remember hearing that. Like, my mom told me, and I was like, what? What? Why would you say that to somebody? Like, really? Like, even I'm like someone who doesn't believe that that god exists even i was like you have to do a little bit exactly like if you have okay do pray before the test you know pray the night do the studying and then pray and then go to bed or then wake up and but you can't just sit there and be like okay do your work (laughs) exactly like what what do you think he's gonna put put the answers in your head what is a to his beat like come on <laughs> no that's not how that works <laughs> i was really dumbfounded by that i was like wow that's really awful advice to give to someone in high school yeah like, that's terrible advice so 
Okay. Our next question. This is a general question. Is being spiritual a thing? And I know you had an opinion about this last week. Yes. Um, I really, really do not want to offend anyone, but I do not think being spiritual is a thing. Um, I don't, I don't understand how you can be spiritual, but you're not religious. To me, that just, it just doesn't, it, I don't understand what being spiritual means. I'm literally Googling it right now. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like someone, like I've met people that have said to me like, oh, I'm, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Huh? Like, and then some people are like, I'm one with the universe. Yeah. What's coming up is it says spirit, spirituality is a broad concept. I think that's the problem too, is it's so broad that it's like, uh, okay is a broad concept with room for many perspectives. In general, it includes a sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves, and it typically involves a search for meaning in life. As such, it is a universal human experience, something that touches us all. So what I'm taking from that is like, there's something bigger than me in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but there's something bigger than myself, and I have to search for, like it said, a meaning to drive me forward i don't i i just feel like it's super vague but that's technically what religion is i think that's the thing that confuses me like there's something that drives you forward in religion is god but then you're saying you're spiritual but you what is driving you 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 don't know what it is but you just like you're like oh there's something i don't know I don't, I don't know. Okay, this is, what's the difference between religious and spiritual? Okay, it seems like, re- so this says religion is a specific set of organized beliefs and practices. Spirit, spirituality is more of an individual practice. It has to do with having a sense of peace and purpose. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Okay interesting all right oh wait oh do you want to start kick off this question oh yeah okay um so we're going to talk about young people's relationship with religion um i guess maybe like millennials and gen z we could just touch on them yeah um i found an article on this is a publication, I guess, in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. Utah, which is interesting that it's coming from Salt Lake City, Utah, because if no one knows, Utah is like the, like, I don't know how to describe it. I guess Utah is very Mormon. Yeah. Um, it is like the world headquarters of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, obviously, Brigham Young University is in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of so i guess religion in that state is a big thing yeah probably more than any other one Mm -hmm. um so this is an article from this year march 1st 2020 um essentially saying that okay millennials were raised in less religious households reported lower levels of religious engagement during their formative years and came into adulthood with less interest in joining and participating in religious communities. 
Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, millennials is I could be wrong, but I feel like it's like people born in like the from the early eighties to the late nineties. Yeah. Um and then obviously Gen Z. Here's the thing though, and I've said this before, I don't necessarily agree with the classification of who's considered a Gen Z. I feel like there's kind of a whole generation in between the two, like a small, small group. Or you should extend millennial to 1998. Yeah. Because there is still a separate, like, if you're really going by textbook, Russia and I are considered Gen Z. Mm-hmm. But I think there's kind of a disconnect between younger members of Gen Z and yeah. us. Yeah. And more of a connection with millennials in a sense. I feel like it's very hazy. So mm-hmm. um, I like to call our generation the post millennials and not Gen Z, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. These factors make it unlikely that unaffiliated millennials will one day join a church. So does the fact that millennials who are non-believers often pair up with other religious nuns. There isn't a partner in that relationship to bring them into church. This is what two um, professors found in their research, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like Gen Z Um, has higher numbers. They're still largely non-religious, but it may, the numbers are a little bit more promising than millennials were. Something yeah. I'm honestly kind of surprised to hear because I would have expected it would still be low. I, I, I don't know. But um, I think that kind of goes into like what we were talking about before in like mega churches and how they have transformed their marketing because I think maybe that's why Gen Z is like more into it because I feel like mega churches sort of switched their marketing at like the 2010 mark. Yeah. And then they started sort of appealing more to younger people while in 2010, like millennials were already grown and like they knew what they wanted to believe in and, you know, like they have already moved on with their life and I guess they're less impressionable if that's yeah so for just for clarification mega churches I don't actually know what the definition of a mega church would be the way I see it is that it's like a church with with a network mm-hmm. kind of almost I feel like some of these churches um and so for example example of a mega church would be like Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillsong has gotten a lot of attention because it has celebrity clientele yeah. or worshipers. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got branches all over the country, um, mm-hmm. particularly in LA. Yeah. Um, so Justin Bieber goes to Hillsong. Um, Haley Bieber, I believe also, I think that's something that helped their relationship. Um, Selena Gomez, though, actually I take that back. I don't think Selena Gomez goes to Hillsong anymore, but she did at one point. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of athletes that go, the Kardashians 
supposedly go to Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Pratt. There's some other celebrities I can't think of at the moment, but they have, they've gotten attention in that sense. Mm-hmm. So these people with followings then share that they're going to these churches. And what happens is their followers are like, oh, that's interesting. And they may then start going as well because they see that these um, pastors who are not your typical pastors, they're not wearing robes. They're not, you know, and like they don't look you maybe you could say like quote-unquote professional because i feel like also another mega church is like lakewood in texas with joel olstein that's considered a mega church but joel olstein is still sort of you could say like a traditional pastor in a sense where he like he's not with the ripped jeans he's an older man he wears his suits and right whatever else, but his church is still gigantic. Yeah. So it still can be considered a mega church. He's also on, on TV. And I mean, I guess his church can be considered different as well because that sort of runs in the family. Like his father was a pastor and his father ran, ran Lakewood before he passed. And then he moved it on to Joel. And then now you can see his son is getting more into getting on stage and, um, you know, doing the Sunday service. So I feel like it's more like family oriented, but it's still considered a mega church. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like these pastors at these like Hillsong, Mosaic, um, Zoe, Zoe, um, there's other ones I can't remember um, right now, but they wear like ripped jeans and mm-hmm. Yeezys and yeah. like, leather jackets. Yeah. Um, and they look like they are not. rock stars. Yeah, they look like rock stars. I think there's actually an article that literally says that they, that's part of the appeal. And yeah. we were talking about this yesterday. The services are not in normal services. They're not in brick and mortar churches. They're in like theaters that they rent out on Sundays. And you feel like you're at a concert. Mm-hmm. Like I was watching a video earlier, which we're about to talk about, where they were like, it's like going to Coachella almost. Like it gives you that feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's attractive to young people who probably are like, I'm gonna sit in a stuffy church for two hours, like with older people. If you're all like the same age. Um, yeah. So that's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. But going to this video that I'd watched. So this is a whole series that Refinery29 did. It's called The State of Grace, and it's hosted by Grace Baldridge, who is described herself as a queer Christian woman. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a lesbian, and she's also very devout in her faith. Uh, She did this series for for, for Refinery29 last summer. I don't know if it's coming back, but it was really well done. It almost was like a vice piece. Like, you didn't know the Refinery29 was behind it. Yeah. But she essentially was examining the relationship between religion human rights and the lgbt community so there's a series of videos she did a video on like her own wedding um and how both Mm -hmm. her and wife were both very devout and how they wanted to put christianity like as a main pillar of their um wedding and then she's done she's done videos on like transgender um acceptance in churches the episode that really stuck out to me was about 
mega churches in LA um, mm. and their relationships with LGBT parishioners in the sense of are they accepting or are they welcoming and how there's a difference between those two things. She found mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot, of, like I was saying, a lot of these megachurches in LA have celebrity clientele that come through and go to their services and advertise and post on Instagram or, you know, whatnot. But yeah. these churches, so for example, one woman emailed and asked, like, I'm LGBT and so is my partner, would we be accepted? And they were like, we're welcome to all. They read that one line in the email and they were like, oh my God, this is great. We can go. If they'd read the rest of the email carefully, which they later did, they realized they referred because they said, we accept all people struggling with their issues. And they worded Mm. it as if being LGBT was an issue they were struggling with that they would overcome. Yeah. Then they said they went, to, they kept going to services and then they, there's a video that got shown of people who overcame problems and people, they were holding up signs saying what it was like sex addiction, drug addiction. And somebody held up a sign in the video. It was a very quickly edited clip, probably because they didn't want people to like actually see what it said, but it said same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And they realized that, wow, we're really not accepted here. We're welcomed but we're not accepted. Yeah. And a lot of these churches don't have clear like statements on mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And yeah. there's this website called churchclarity.org that you can go to and you can search your church and see yeah. what its stance is on LGBT and also women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Just how many churches have women in leadership? Do they have women leading or are they the wives of the pastors because those are two different things yeah it was really interesting and eye-opening i highly recommend watching um the video so so i wanted to say a couple of things about the lgbtq community and like religion and churches because personally for me i feel like i have a very different outlook on it And I feel like I've definitely disagreed with people very close to me about this because I just, personally for me, I think that people aren't reading the Bible correctly. I think that's just plain and simple. That's how it is. I think when people look at their religion and they look on Christianity and they think, okay, like what are the main pillars of Christianity? Like what is the, like what is Christianity, right? It's love it's acceptance, it's equality, right? Mm -hmm. These are the things that we are trying to strive, like, okay, like, this person may be different than me, but I'm still going to treat them with respect. I'm still going to love them, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're taught as a Christian. So for me, when I see people, like, shunning people from the LGBTQIA community, so there's a lot, you know, it's a lot of letters. Um, I think it sort of is, I think the word is like hypocritical because it's like, you can't sit here and say, okay, you're a Christian, you're loving, you're accepting of all people, you're, you welcome everyone into your life, no matter how they are, but yet you're like shunning away a group of people. 
Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think if we're really going to go down and talk about this, I think we should talk about some text because I just need to point this out. So there is one passage in the Bible that people like to quote a lot. It's Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13, right? It says, they call a man lying with another man instead of his wife in abomination, right? Okay. People love to say this. People love, this is like their favorite line. They're yeah, like, I've heard this, this be brought up before. This is, that's people, people love saying that. This is what it's written. This is what it, okay. I think that when it comes down to religion, I think that a lot of it has been wrongly interpreted. And it's also people interpreted it one way, told people, and now that's why people interpret it, interpret certain sections the way that they do, not the way that it was written. If we go back to the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shall not commit adultery. If you don't know what adultery means, it means cheating on your spouse, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. From what I got from Leviticus, when he says they call a man lying with another man instead of his wife an abomination, in my head, that means a married man should not be committing adultery, which is cheating on his wife with another male. I think that male... I don't think they should have used the word male. I think they should have used the per the word person because to me, it describes you should not be cheating on your wife with someone else. Right. But then I also think they might've used male because of the fact that, and I think this sort of comes back into like modern day, like men are stereotypically the more sexually driven ones and they're the ones that need to act upon their sexual desires and whatever. And I think that's maybe why they use the word man, because maybe females were not viewed as high, you know, like higher up in society as men were. So maybe that's why they use the word man. I think also what people don't understand is that during this time, like sexual orientation wasn't something that people really like understood, not in a sense of like, oh, we don't understand you, so you need to leave. More in a sense of like, no one even really, it's like you're, it's like you not knowing what fire is. Like when the cavemen, like they discovered fire, oh, like, oh my God, what is this? It's like they didn't discover that yet. Like maybe people had feelings, but they just didn't express them or whatever it was. But I don't think that they understood what sexual orientation was back then to even have, have like, the knowledge to write something like that down and it to be viewed years later as, oh, same-sex marriage is bad. Like, I don't think that that's what they were trying to do. And I think that it goes back to so many things in the Bible. People interpret it how they want to interpret it. They take their own biases, their own beliefs, how they want the world to be, and they mold the word in a sense of, how it's not written that's all i have to say because that aggravates me when people pull out that line i'm just like are you reading it right or are you like yeah no and i've heard people multiple times pull out that line and i'm like like what people yeah. back then did not know what sexual orientation was so how in the world were they going to write in the bible uh they're same like people in same-sex relationships 
shouldn't be able to do this or we're going to shun them. If your religion is based all on love and equality and accepting of all types of people, how in the world are you going to sit here and tell me that you're going to shun same-sex couples or people who want to be married and they're in the same sex? Don't make a lot of sense. And go ahead. What's your thoughts on these trendy mega churches with unclear like um kind of wording for accepting lgbt individuals like the fact that they can't just like come out and say it they have to dance around it i think they're scared because i think at the end of the day no matter what whoever read the bible and who read that probably that line specifically and said okay this means that men and men and women and women shouldn't be together that has been passed on generation upon generation upon generation and if you go back to traditional churches that's what they like wholeheartedly believe because one day somebody woke up and read the text and said that's what that means so then they passed it on and i think that they don't want to get backlash from churches saying how could you how could you do that if in the Bible, it says that, but I don't think people are reading it. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation. It has to do with adultery and committing and cheating on your spouse. That's what it has to do with. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation. And I think because, pe because it's something that has been ingrained in the religion for so long, people are so scared to speak out against it because they don't want to seem like they're not following what the bible says mm -hmm. i think that's why the churches are so hesitant to say whether or not they support it or they're unclear on what they what they write on their websites because they're scared and they just don't want to be that church that's different and is accepting or is very clear on what they say when all these other churches aren't um okay so my question for you do you believe in an afterlife i've always wanted to know this one <laughs> so i go back and forth about this mm -hmm. because i don't believe in this idea that there's a heaven and a hell mm -hmm. there's this separation between like where the bad people go and where the good people go mm -hmm. um i don't like i just i true i don't know <laughs> Like, I don't know what happens. To, I don't, I don't think there is this. Okay, here's what I don't think there is. I do not think that there is this, this place with um, pearly white gates and it's on clouds and, and God is there reading you to welcome you. I don't think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the answer is no. I don't believe in an afterlife. Um, I feel like that's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my answer. No. I don't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> but um, I am interested by Buddha Buddhism's idea of reincarnation. You okay. come back as something else. 
that intrigues me. Um, so yeah. What? That was a cool. simple answer, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about those with extreme Christian views? And I guess, I guess I'm trying to clarify what I mean by Christian without offending anyone. Mm-hmm. So you mean like the people on the street with megaphones? Yeah. Okay, here's a question that I have. I have a two-part question. Okay. Do you believe in a second coming? As in like God is going to come down and come get us? No, Jesus is going to come back. Sorry, you know what I mean. (laughs) I interchange. I interchange. Sometimes I say God, I say Jesus. To me, it's like one person. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do believe that like when the earth, when when we're done here, that he's (laughs) good. I don't I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> when we're done here. <laughs> when we're done here, I do believe that God is gonna come down and get us and bring us back. Okay. I do believe that, yes. As crazy as that can sound to a lot of people, I do believe that. Yeah. So I guess your perspective on it then is that when everything has gone to absolute shit and like where people are like like it's the apocalypse and yeah. the end of like days that is when yeah he's, he's gonna coming. come down and be like not in the sense down. of like he's coming tomorrow no no and i mean even in the bible it says like the world is gonna get bad before he comes down like it's gonna be like apocalyptic we're getting so there. that's what i believe i believe the apocalypse is going to come well not right now but you know what i mean yeah i think i don't think we're living through an apocalypse right now i think it's just a really crappy period of time exactly and we will get through this i have optimism okay because i feel like there are people that's like he's coming tomorrow he's coming next week no coming in a year no the world would have to be like on the brink of death how i feel it needs to be on the brink of death before he says hey y'all let's go out of here (laughs) um so actually i have another question i just thought of i didn't write it down yesterday but i'll ask it after i so how do you feel about the people on the street with the megaphones and the crazy yeah okay so i'm gonna quote my mother because my mom is a very wise woman okay y'all need to meet her miss lucy she's great she's she's great so my mom i feel like throughout my life has taught me so well and one of the things that she's always taught me is that religion should never be forced on someone so you can believe whatever you want to believe but you should never force someone into religion you should let people find religion themselves if let's say for example one sunday after you know the pandemic and that we have the vaccine I decide, oh, I'm going to go to church this Sunday. And then I tell Niel, and Niel's like, oh, like, can I come with you? That's someone saying, okay, like, I want to try this out. But you should never be like, oh, you have to come with me, blah, 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 blah. Like, religion should never be forced on someone. And I feel like 
going back to what Niela said about the people on the streets with the megaphones, personally for me, I don't feel like religion needs to be obnoxious and in people's face like that. I feel like you should be able to find it on your own and people that go out with megaphones and the cross and are yelling things at people, that's ridiculous. Like, okay, yes, like, if you feel like you in your heart need to go outside with a megaphone and preach the word and have your big cross, like go ahead and do that. But there's, it should never get to the point where you are now screaming at people or like being aggressive and disrespectful towards someone. I think that's where the line is crossed because now you're not acting like a Christian. You're acting like a bad person. So, yeah. And I think that also, just to talk kind of about like extreme Christian views, I think just from what I've been taught and my mom has taught me, like people, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, people interpret the text how they want to. They interpret the text on their own personal biases, maybe things people have told them, things their family has taught them. I think that there are certain extreme Christian views that people sort of make up themselves or their specific sector makes up and teaches them is what they're supposed to do when you can just be a regular Christian. So what's an example of that? Um, okay, so here's an example. I'm not going to say which. Oh, oh, you got one. Okay. I'm not going to say which denomination. Okay. This is a thing in. You can probably guess. Yeah. Because Russia, we've talked about this denomination quite a bit. Yeah. Um, no tattoos, no piercings, um, essentially the belief that if you do that, you are disrespecting the body that God gave you. Mm -hmm. That I feel like is an example of an extreme belief. Yeah. So... I feel like there's a lot of things written in the Bible that people take like verbatim, like, oh, you can't eat pork on Fridays, or you can't get a tattoo, or you can't, like, there are things that are written throughout the Bible that it says you can't do, you shouldn't do, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be real, there's a lot of things people don't follow. One main one is people have sex before marriage. There's a ton of Christians that do that. Yeah. And it says verbatim in the Bible to not do that. So I think like, I think that if you are following to a T everything that it says not to do, you can do whatever you want. That's your life, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it comes down to like, you can't judge people on the things that they do if you're not following the Bible verbatim. That's just how I view it. You, I mean, you shouldn't judge them anyway. Let me correct myself. You shouldn't judge them anyway, even if you follow the, the Bible, like word for word. But I feel like even so, if you don't follow it, you shouldn't be judging other people for the things that they do. Right. So, yeah. Do you remember that YouTube channel that I showed you? Girl yes. Defined? Mm-hmm. And like they, I, they, I feel like are an example of like extreme following 
everything to a T, but mm-hmm. then making, cause their whole thing is it's like girl defined ministries. It's for women mm-hmm. to live life in a God honoring way. The amount of videos they have, they're like God honoring, God honoring, God honoring, but they make you feel like you're inadequate yeah. as a Christian. If you're not following like to a T like one of both the women waited till marriage to kiss their husbands and they made it sound like everyone should be doing that. Um, you should see my face uh, right now when I said that. Like you guys should really see my face. I think that I think that also some of these things are just like emphasis of the church, like trying to like teach people how to do things, but they like teach people the word, but they also scare people mm-hmm. because like, okay, I want to give like an example just about like the sex thing. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. They say don't have sex before marriage. Don't have sex before marriage. Blah, 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 blah. There are a lot of people that don't do it. They like are for real. Like they're like, no, I'm going to wait. Okay. But I think that the way that it's taught is like, don't do it before marriage. It's a sin. It's a terrible thing. Blah, 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 blah. You'll but explode. Then, like crazy stuff. And then when you are married, oh my God, it's so beautiful. The Lord created it. Blah, blah. Like what, it, like the different, like the difference is concerning. I think it's the way it's taught. I think that they need to teach people like, look, regardless of what we want, the church is going to, the church is going to teach people wait to have sex during, like until you're married. Right. Okay. But you don't have to tell people they're going to die and crazy stuff. Like not every church says that. And I just want to clarify that not every church makes it seem like it's a, Oh my God, like terrible thing. But there are a lot of churches that really, really like make people feel like something really bad is going to happen to them, or they're going to be shunned from the Lord if they do this. And then after they get married and they have sex, it's like, oh, this is such a beautiful thing, blah, 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 blah. It's like, just be honest from the beginning on why you don't think people should do it. Because I know some, because I know some churches, they emphasize the idea of like, quote unquote, social soul ties, where like, and I don't want to say that this is 100% correct, but I can see where they're coming from. Where some people say like, if you have sex with someone before marriage or like, I don't know, like maybe the first person you have sex with or whatever, you're going to be like, you're, you're going to be attached to them. And I feel like that happens to some people, but I don't think that happens to everyone. Okay. That, yeah, that's fair. I think that are, there are some girls or guys or whoever, whatever it is that they have sex with someone and it's like, that's the person they lose their virginity to. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with them. I love them so much. And they become obsessed with them. And then there's some people that don't. It's just like, okay, it happened. We're done, like moving on. So I don't know. Like I kind of get the soul ties thing, but I don't think it applies to everyone also. So I just think that they need to just not all churches because some churches do a good job at teaching things but i think there are some churches that really need to improve on how they're teaching specifically young people how to go about the struggles in their daily life and even mental health and things like that like 
they need to teach them like look like yes you want to pray and ask god for things and like ask him to help you through certain issues that you're going with going through or whatever it is but sometimes you do need to go seek like actual professional help especially when yeah. it comes to mental health like you can't just pray things away like you have like if you're literally struggling with something you have to go see someone yeah and i think there's shame sometimes and and when someone's like oh well i went to therapists like why did you do that why can't you just put your entire faith in god exactly there should point. never be shame yeah that's a good point okay. all right my last question yeah this one's a doozy how do you feel about kanye west mm-hmm. i don't want to say use the term dramatic but i feel like i have to dramatic nope. shift to being this extremely religious individual coming out with these religious albums doing the sunday service mm-hmm. now all of a sudden preaching all of these things whatnot mm-hmm. Okay, so Kanye is a very... We've talked about Kanye before on this podcast. He's a very interesting subject, if I can say that. I think that Kanye... I I think that Kanye was always religious, regardless of what people say, because I think it's hard to do that shift of, like, you have no religion at all to being, like, a... Jesus is king, like, doing the Sunday service, you know, like, all of that. I think it's very hard to transition from, like, no beliefs at all to that. Mm -hmm. I think that he always, I think that he always probably believed that, you know, God was real, like, maybe he read the Bible, like, he prayed, he did his devotions, whatever. But I think there might have been, like, a shift in, like, his life where he felt like he wasn't devoting enough to God, that he felt the need to bring together this Sunday service and his albums and all of those things. I also read a couple things that he was just doing the church at his house because he didn't want to go to an actual church. Cause you know, with the Kardashians and their whole like security thing and all of that. So they were just doing church at home. And I guess like, you know, people started recording it and then it got bigger and bigger. But I also do want to say that I don't like the way that it's done in a sense that I don't like the whole one color outfit thing. It gives me very culty vibes. I was just about to say, it's very culty. Yes, I don't like stuff like that. Um, We've seen it time and time again in cult leaders, like organizations where they make everyone wear the same color and stuff like that. I don't like stuff like that. It doesn't rub me the right way. I think that he's doing something good for himself and maybe for his family and whatever else, but the whole one color thing throws me off. I think that, I think that also he could just be like trying to use his music and like the things that he does as like a therapy for himself. That's very true. He struggles with being bipolar. Uh, Yeah. And it could definitely be a therapy for him yeah i i i i think that's got to be part of it i agree mm-hmm. with that you know he's probably always been religious somewhat that you can't really make the shift 
from not to just full blown like major, yeah. you know. Um but yeah, I agree. The outfits really freaked me out. Like the yeah, whole I don't like also that. the fact that they like stand in a circle, it a lot of it also just seems weird in that sense. Um mm-hmm. There also just seems I this is like an outsider's perspective, but it also seems very like not like an open like anyone can come to the Sunday service. It also seems kind of like an elite kind of gathering, if that makes sense. Well, in of itself it is. Cause it's like if you're not close with them, if you don't know them, you're there's absolutely no way you could go. And the only people that really were able to experience it fully were the people that went to Coachella. Wait, I think it was last it. year in 2019. Oh, they did a yeah. Service. yeah, on on Coachella Sunday, like the Sunday of Coachella, they did a Kanye West Sunday service. So it was it was I don't know if it was intentionally, but it did come off as like an elitist sort of group because they're all celebrities, and the only way you would have been able to go to this is if you knew them. And then also that you could also say the exclusivity of Coachella in and of itself and how expensive it is and things like that. Like he performed it at Coachella. Only the people at Coachella were able right. to see he it. Right, paid 800 to $1,000 or even more to be there. That's the thing is I feel like church and as you've, like, you've ex- expressed so far is that Christianity is about love and acceptance and having all people. That's not all people. That's the people yes. who can afford to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's an issue I have with it is that it's not this, like, every, I'm for everyone. Like, not to bring this in, but the guy's running for president. And it's like, you want to be of the people and you're not expressing that at the moment. Yeah. With that. So, yeah. Okay. Have you listened to Jesus is King? No. Do you plan on listening to it? I think I've heard like one or two songs. I don't know. I'm like, I feel like Kanye was on a good, he was on a good path, you know, with all his albums when I was in like middle school and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I just feel like his music is just like not him. Like I get it. Like I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've definitely heard like a couple songs on the album, and I did like them. But it was just like, this is not the Kanye that I knew, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so my last question for you is: Where do people who don't believe in God or gods get their moral compass? interesting question um so i guess i just like i guess my parents in a sense of just like what's right and what's wrong Mm -hmm. um and i guess this idea of also the fact that i don't follow a religion is also Mm -hmm. kind of gives me the freedom to not feel pressured maybe to even have a moral compass not to say that i go about doing crazy stuff all the time because i don't um yeah i don't (laughs) 
but um I guess just having an intuition of what's right and wrong and I'm very much like very much about the ethics of things I feel mm. like um I studied journalism in college and a big thing of that was the ethics so um knowing you know what's ethical to do maybe less about morals and more about ethics mm. um so yeah because that's it like I don't like feeling boxed in about doing certain things so the fact that I'm an atheist allows me the kind of like freedom to make my own choices about what's right and wrong and not necessarily following something if that makes sense yeah um so yeah but as I said before I'm always learning from people of different religions and faiths. So for instance, obviously Russia, you're a Christian. Um, my friend Brooke um, is Jewish, um, though she's not, she's what you would refer to as like reform Judaism. Um, and then my friend Diki is a Buddhist and that was a really eye-opening thing to learn about, you know, that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I have a friend, Ella, who's a universe, who's UU. I can't remember what the UU stands for, but it's like universe, universalist, essentially, is what it is. Unitarian, I think. Yeah, Something Unitarian like Universalist. Thank you. That's what it is. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. But I think that's also a plus of living in the city that we do. You're likely to come in contact with people of different religious faiths. And we're always learning from each other. Um, I think that's super important is that, yes, you can have your own belief system, but you also need to learn from others um, and respect others. That's the biggest thing. Yes. Um, and just continue to broaden your mind. Who knows? 10 15 years from now maybe i won't be an atheist maybe i'll have gone back into the agnostic category maybe i'll be dabbling with some sort of religious faith i can't tell you what's gonna happen um yeah. this is just where i am at at this certain moment um mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people think that atheists are like bitter because they had like a bad experience or something no i'm not i just yeah raised religious that like that's it um so but you know what's really funny is that in middle school we did this play mm -hmm. it was about this teacher in like a southern town taught evolution mm -hmm. and this is based on an actual thing that happened but um i played the preacher like the <laughs> big creature that had to come to town and put him on trial for teaching evolution. And it's like, it's something I look back on and I'm just like, wow, I really You were the that. choir, you were a preacher in a play. And I had to like quote scripture. <laughs> like the school, all my classmates were like, this was the most boring thing I ever had to watch. And I die at the end because I have a heart attack. Um, it was just really funny um but yeah I had to like quote scripture 
and like yeah. debate Genesis and like all of these things. It was such like I look oh. back on it. I'm like I learned a lot from that. Um, yeah. And to play someone who's on the opposite of like what I believe in, it it was like at such a young age too. It was in the eighth grade, <laughs> like so. Um, yeah, I'm always learning, always wanting to learn. So, I'm not a pessimist, I promise. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say that I just want everyone to take away from this episode that just because someone says they identify as a certain religion, to not make assumptions on who they are, how they are, what they do, blah, blah, blah. Because I was telling Naila this yesterday also when we were planning for the podcast that a lot of people seem to associate atheist or atheism with like devil worshiping. And Niela brought this up too. And I don't really understand why people do that. It has because nothing to do with that. It has nothing. You know why I think it is? It's because this idea that atheists don't believe in God and you automatically assume, well, you must believe in something and that something must be the opposite of what I believe, which is like the worst possible thing. This idea that there's like, an evil and a good opposite flip size and there's not this middle yeah or just you know not evil yeah um i i i find that i think it's the people with the extreme views Mm -hmm. who think that yeah i don't know why maybe because they just assume a possible worst i don't know yeah um but yeah like the negative connotation that people associate with it needs to be taken away because there are people that literally worship Satan, like for real. So like you should not be calling someone who does not do that a devil worshiper. Like that's really messed up to be generally honest. That's oh wait, up. I have a question. Yes. So did you ever watch The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Yes. That movie scared the crap out of me, but it's fine. I just, you know what it was? It scared me, but I also thought it was actually hilarious. Because yeah, they prayed like this. It was a good show. It was like, but I feel like some Christians would have an issue with that. I mean, I think because people, of the, you know, you're praying down, not praying up. I think that the show is more comical than it is people need to take it seriously. The yeah. stuff that they do is like polar opposites of what Christians do. Like, Instead of praying with their hands up, they pray with their hands down. Like, it's just like, like this, I'm serious. This stuff is funny. And I think that if you are strong in your faith, you don't have to worry about watching things because they are going to quote unquote mess up your, your faith and whatever it is. Like you should be strong enough in your faith as a Christian to know that, okay, look, I'm going to watch this show, but none of this stuff I believe all of this stuff is just for pure entertainment and comedy. Like I watched the chilling adventures of Sabrina and there were some parts I was like, Oh, I don't like the way that sounds like, just like when they were doing certain things, but it's just like, it's just a show like, and it's supposed to be funny. That's why they do polar opposite things of Christianity. So it's like, people need to not take these things so seriously. They're also kind of poking fun a little bit. Like you're allowed to poke fun yes. at things. The whole That's thing exactly is about they have a belief system. That's their belief yeah. system. It's, and like, if you know anything about the origin of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, she's a witch. Like, that's the whole thing. 
Yeah. It's not supposed um, to be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've talked about, like, the praying upside down thing before. Um, but I just wanted to ask that. Cause oh, because like- when I first peeped that, I was in tears. I was like, I had actual tears looking at my face. It was so funny to me. I just remember being like, why are they praying like that? And my friend was like, oh, because it's, and I was like, ah, funny hell, Satan. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We upload new episodes every Friday so you can start your weekend right. Brescia, where can people listen to our podcast? They can listen on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else they listen to podcasts. All the links can be found at our Instagram at canibehonest underscore pod. See you next Friday. Bye.